Ring the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the WrestleCast with Shozi, the only pro wrestling podcast out of the Middle East. Today, I am joined by a good friend who I trained with, someone who's trained for over 10 years in the wrestling business, performed in England, and now started off his career right here in the Middle East. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jay Lamrod. Oh man, that's a nice intro, I have to say. I don't do intros for anyone like that, so to, <laughs> to have me as a guest is, is very nice, and I might have to cut that intro and just use it for general life next time I have a job interview. <laughs> Meet somebody, just play that on my phone or something. Sure, add it to your theme song if you'd like. Yeah, that's a good suggestion, actually. I'll play it at the beginning. Sure. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Good, man. Good. Yeah, really good. We did that show a couple of weeks ago which obviously you're the referee for. That was our first interaction together on a physical show. And I think that's the first time you yeah. guys have done a show in the last couple of years, or sorry, at least a year and a half or something. So yeah. for me to be part of that was just fantastic. So I'm still feeling that buzz coming off of that show. But at the same time, I'm looking forward to the future and I'm kind of itching for when's the next time we're going to be in the ring? When's the next time we're going to do a show? Those are the questions that are going through my head. So, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm very happy. I'm very thankful. And this is the beginning of something good, isn't it? It definitely is. And it was my first taste of seeing you in the ring. I watch a match of yours. And I have to say, it was a really good match. I really enjoyed it, being able to call it. And I'm hoping to be able to work with you more down the line. So before we jump in to any of the big questions or start talking, why don't you let everyone know how it is that you jumped into wrestling and have been performing for so long? Watching it, obviously growing up, discovering it early on was probably the biggest deciding factor for me. I think that coming from London in the UK, it's not so much the most prevalent sport. All my friends at school were football fans, first and foremost. And then some of my friends were rugby fans. And then other friends I had were cricket fans. So you have all these different things that people are attached to, but I never necessarily attached myself to anything in particular until I found wrestling so wrestling was the first time i think when you're six seven eight even ten years old you're kind of searching for hobbies and things that you can attach yourself to and spend your days watching enjoying learning about playing the game all that good stuff fully immersing yourself in it so for me to discover wrestling and then be awe inspired by it i think that was the first event that and maybe pokemon power rangers and dragon ball z wrestling was first and foremost but those things i mentioned were probably the things after it it was kind of like the first hobby i had where i really was attached to in terms of really enjoying it and thoroughly following the storylines catching it as often as i could we didn't have cable tv so back then in the uk you just had five channels that was free television and every saturday at 7 p.m on channel four would be wcw thunder so this is like maybe 97, 98, 99, around that time. And that was the first time I ever kind of discovered 
pro wrestling was watching WCW Thunder every Saturday at 7 p.m. And obviously Thunder's not as good as Nitro. It's more of a catch-up show. It's kind of got flashback clips, but it was enough for me because that's all we had. And as a kid, just seeing 30 seconds of Goldberg or Sting or Hogan, NWO, all those things, it, it was captivating as it would be for any young kid, even today, watching pro wrestling. And then I noticed on Sundays at 4 p.m. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's 4 p.m. Um, I remember it being randomly during the afternoon. On a Sunday, there would be Sunday Night Heat. So that was my first taste of WWF or WWE. In fact, that was on Channel 4 on Sundays and WCW was on Channel 5 on Saturdays. But that Sunday Night Heat, watching that and watching the flashback clips of what happened on Raw, and I think I discovered it around 99. I was watching a lot of Rock, Austin, Rikishi, Triple H, Brothers of destruction there's a lot of that going on around that period of time it was a good time to be a fan and it was a great time to kind of discover it so that late 90s period 98 99 and then 2000 was i would say the beginning taste of pro wrestling that i got it was on and off because it was whenever i could catch it on free tv and then whenever i could, could get a magazine that would be something and then you know, you'd have one copy of a magazine which you'd read through every single day yeah. over and over again until you know all the pictures all the words you'd basically memorize just a single issue of a magazine but to you it meant everything because it's not every day that you get that and then fast forward to i would say 2002-2003 was when i was starting to be exposed to wrestling more because i would go around my friend's house and my neighbor's house and things like that they would have sky which was essentially the cable over there and that was where i started watching smackdown every week and raw that was kind of like the ruthless aggression era so that was when i really started to watch it on a weekly basis so to speak and of course, not long after that, what, 2004, maybe 2005, we finally got a computer with the internet. From that point on, the rest is history. Because once you've got the internet, the amount of wrestling that you discover, especially as a kid, because you're just searching through tons of different wrestling. I would discover <laughs> Ring of Honor and CZW and things like that. All these small independent shows. And I was like 12, 13 years old watching full Ring of Honor shows and stuff like that. It's really funny, actually. Don't know what year it is, but it must be mid-2000s when free television in the UK suddenly went from five channels to like 80 channels. And one of the channels, it used to be called the Wrestling Channel, but then they changed it to something after. But basically it had all these different types of pro wrestling on it. I remember it would have pro wrestling Noah, and I used to watch that and be like amazed by it it had obviously british wrestling ldn wrestling from the uk they would have shows on it all the time capital tv and i remember watching that as a kid being like whoa that's local to me that's nearby and, oh and it had tna so obviously that was a big thing during the 2000s for me and a lot of kids at my school tna at the time was huge i don't know why or how i don't know what it's like here in the middle east during that time but definitely in the uk tna got really really big at one point and all the kids at school were talking about it. First and foremost, I was always a WWE guy because nothing changed. For example, WrestleMania 18, 19 were the first two WrestleManias I saw. And then after that, you're hooked. But it's funny that when you're like 11, 12, 13 years old, you're just watching everything. That led to me kind of, I guess, establishing the fact that I was a, a diehard wrestling fan. And then in 2004, 2005, I went to a live event I saw in the newspaper, which was not far from me where I lived in London. It was like maybe... 
40, 45 minute drive. We drove out there. The show, the promotion was, I believe it was FWA, which is Frontier Wrestling Alliance. They were the biggest thing going on at the time during the 2000s. A lot of guys have come from there, including right now in NXT, you've got Danny Birch. He was FWA champion at one point. Doug Williams, who I really enjoy watching. Great technical wrestler who was in TNA. He came from there. I don't know if you remember a guy in 2005 called Paul Burchill who did a pirate gimmick. He came from FWA. He did a pirate gimmick on SmackDown. Saw that event live. Went to another one after that, and I saw another one live. The events were actually promoted by a man who still promotes to this day called Sanjay Bagger. And Sanjay actually was promoting those FWA shows. That was pretty much the beginning of his career, which led him to start his own promotion, which is now currently the largest touring promotion in the UK called LDN Wrestling, which I mentioned earlier. They had a TV deal, so they were on TV for a couple of years as well. So it all kind of came together and it's small worlds. You see it on TV as a kid and then you go to the live event, you see them in person as well. So all of those things kind of had an influence on me one wanting to go to train, wanting to be a wrestler, but I was still very, very young. So in 2005, I was 13 years old. So you're not really in any shape to be taking bumps, but then at the same time, it's never too early. I mean, you can always learn. There are people that have started way, way earlier that we know about, fantastic wrestlers, people that are born into wrestling families, for example. So it's never too early, but I was definitely not in any shape to be doing shows or anything but it was a great learning experience because they were teaching me and we were doing reps. What I mean by that is I would spend three hours just learning how to do back bumps and I'd do it over and over and over again. Not in the ring, it was on these blue mats that you have in school gymnasiums, those blue mats. So they'll be on the floor in a gymnasium hall and we'd be doing it on that. And those are unforgiving. I would rather do back bumps in the ring than on that. But at 13 years old, I didn't have a choice and they were making us do it. It was the best way to start learning. And the promotion that I started training at was called Revolution British Wrestling. And that was in East London. Loads of guys have come through there as well, but they actually shut down in, I want to say 2005, give or take, maybe 06. And they shut down around that period of time. So I stopped training. I didn't have anywhere to train for a while. Then like any teenager who's big into pro wrestling. They've taken a couple bumps. Maybe they've learned how to lock up. What's the next thing you do? Every teenager does it. It goes through that journey. You start backyard wrestling. So we had mattresses we were wrestling on. And the reason why we used the mattress was so that we could do full-on spots, so that you could vertical suplex somebody, so that you could jump the suplex somebody. So you could do all these crazy spots and it would be easier on the body as opposed to doing it on the grass. That's not to say I didn't take the suplexes on the grass and things like that. We did that a couple of times, but it's not nice. It's really not nice to be suplexed on grass. <laughs> so we backyarded for a long time. For many years, I didn't really talk too much about it. It was always kind of me and my friends. We just did it on the weekends. We'd meet up. We had a camera. We had referees. We had storylines written. We had scripts written. We ran it like a legitimate promotion. And there were actual build-ups. There were championships. We had a roster at one point of, I want to say, 15, maybe 20 people. So it was big at one point and everybody at school found out about it and they're asking you questions. Is it real? Did this really happen? Because we'd have some elaborate storylines where something would happen that was crazy. And then the next day at school, people would ask you, they'd be like, oh my God, I saw the video of you on the internet of you doing this. And was that real? Was it planned out? And then obviously you want to keep the kayfabe. So you're not going to reveal anything. So 
it became a talking point at school. It became a real thing. I had to actually work my way up through that backyard promotion because a lot of the guys that were on top were a couple years older than me. When you're 14 years old and there are guys that are 16 years old, but there's a big difference. Obviously, now that we're a bit older, there's a couple years doesn't mean anything. But back then, they're taller than you, bigger than you, stronger than you. It's a real thing. So I had to work my way up. It was good times because we filmed a lot of it. We still kind of reminisce every now and then. So it was good. Kind of gave me that, I want to say, the willingness to take risks. Because a lot of the spots that I would do later on in my teenagehood allowed me to kind of take those risks in the ring when I started to properly train. So fast forward to, I want to say, late 2008, maybe early 2009, me and one of my friends from the Backyard Wrestling Company, we more or less stopped Backyard. And at that point, it fizzled out because we were all kind of growing up anyway. I was maybe 17, 18 years old by that point. And then we started properly training. So we're like, okay, we want to be wrestlers. Like, I want to be a pro wrestler. I need to learn how to do this properly. So we went to a school and the school was LDN, once again, by the promoter whose show that I'd visited four years prior and seen on TV just a year prior. So they had a wrestling academy and by coincidence, it worked out great because it wasn't too far away from where I lived. And the coach was one of, if not the best coach in the country. His name is Justin Richards. And alongside him was Adam Mansfield, another guy that had equal amount of experience. They'd both been wrestling in the UK since the early 90s. They'd wrestled for a promotion called NWA Hammerlock. Finn Balor came through NWA Hammerlock. And then Justin actually kind of helped coach as well during his time there. And he had a hand in coaching guys like Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre credits some of his trainers to Justin. PJ Black, who wrestled under the name of Justin Gabriel, credits some of his trainers to Justin at least. So when we found out about this, bear in mind, I'm only 17 years old. And when I discovered this, seeing these names and seeing high profile people knowing who he was, I knew who he was because I followed British wrestling, I was starstruck. I was like, wow, this is intense. This is not going to be fun like the backyard anymore. This is going to be legit. It's going to be serious. In the very first training session, my coach looks at the class and he shouts at the top of his lungs, fitness, you either have it or you're going to get it. And then there's a <laughs> class of about 30 people and they're all like looking scared. And I look at my friend and I'm like, uh, I, I I th- we, we might have made a mistake. And my friend was like, yeah, let's tell them that we're going to go to the washroom and then just run away. We'll grab our bags and just go. He put us through some of the most intense training that I have ever experienced. To this day, I don't see other coaches around the world. Still in the UK, I don't know. Maybe there is, but I'm not necessarily aware. But from what I've seen, I've never seen a coach put their class through what he put us through. And he was creating athletes out of us. He came from a legitimate sporting background. He was an amateur wrestler himself, won numerous championships in legit shoot wrestling and not to mention that even in his pro wrestling career he'd achieved he'd won the british heavyweight championship on two occasions for two different promotions so for me it was a great great opportunity to just be in his presence to just learn from him take a beating it wasn't going to be easy adam mansfield would beat me up (laughs) you know quite literally not even metaphorically like literally would just beat me up but then you had to learn that way and i'm so glad i did
and I have no complaints. It toughened me up as an athlete. It disciplined me as a young boy. At the time, I was just a boy. I didn't want to put in the hard work. I just wanted to do a swanton bomb, whatever the cool thing was at the time. So they really taught us the element and the knowledge and understanding of respect, hard grit work. When you feel like giving up, just because you've done a couple of push-ups, that doesn't mean you get up and stop. It means you keep going, you keep pushing. And just because it hurts, it doesn't mean you suddenly call it a day. No, you train, you have to train. You treat it like a real sport. Look at any professional sport and the way they treat it, the way they handle themselves, the way they conduct themselves. Even from the moment they walk in before the training begins, you shake everyone's hand. You say, hello, sir, how are you, sir? You help out, you set up the ring. We would have to spend an hour setting up the ring at the beginning of each training session and then taking down the ring at the end of each training session. And if somebody's not doing it, if somebody sat on the bench or whatever, they would get in scary amounts of trouble. And we learned that discipline, the hard work. You have to put in the work. You have to contribute. You have to be respectful. You have to be humble. I remember a quote. I can't remember who said it to me, but I remember somebody telling me, eyes open, ears open, mouth shut. And it's just that element of your absorbing and you're taking it in because at the time i'm 17 years old i'm young these people are older than me more experienced than me it's only going to be beneficial for somebody in that position to just absorb and listen and learn and just go from there give it your best don't give up it was a really really valuable training that i received i'm super grateful for it i have immense respect not just for justin and not just for adam mansfield but also for sanjay for running that school he had a promotion to run and he was running training every week and you're trying to handle a class of 20 25 students sometimes they want to play around sometimes they want to play games sometimes they don't want to listen sometimes they don't want to pay attention and trying to handle that trying to parent that and look after that and control that and get good results out of it you've got a class of 25 people but how are you going to ensure that they learn how to be good professional wrestlers and not just people that just want to stand around and elbow drop each other for fun? And it's difficult. It's like looking after a class at school. That's what it's like. Justin, Adam and Sanjay handled it really well. I'm so grateful for my time there. I took that discipline that I learned and I applied that in various other things. Whether it's in the gym, whether it's running, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's, whether it's boxing, anything that I've tried at one point in my life, I've applied the same discipline that I learned in pro wrestling in that. I'm super grateful for it. I always hold them in high regards because it was an incredible experience. By the end of 2009, early 2010, I finally debuted and I was in a tag team with my friend that I was backyarding with. We both debuted on a show and we were trying to think of a name and we're like, oh, what should we call ourselves? I know, we call ourselves Team Fit. I'll be Jay Fit and you be Mark Fit. <laughs> and that was literally <laughs> it. And that was it. We did a couple matches and tag team matches and we got to face some really cool people that went on and did other things elsewhere. And then that was the beginning, I'd say. In a very long answer, that is how it all began. I feel like you've dropped me into like this book of bits and pieces and parts of how you started off. So thank you for that. It can be as long as you want it to be because the people I've spoken to and the people I've had on the show, once you get to find out how they really started and you get to hear the passion they have for the business, you really understand that they're not messing around. They really need it. They respect it. And it's turned into pretty much their whole life. So that's what I felt like speaking with you. 
hearing your entire story and looking at you during training sessions, the things you can do compared to the other guys, everyone specializes in their own way, but the way you do it, I've seen you as a very solid unit in training sessions. Correct me if I'm wrong here, you were given a punishment for being late to a training session. You had to plank for about, how many people was it? Five or 10 people while they rolled over you for a drill? Yeah, so that was a very good thing that needs to happen more often in pro wrestling. And I'm very thankful that Shaheen made me do that. And the thing is, in Dubai, we're all professionals. So I work a full-time job and I'm working 10 hours a day. So when training starts at 7 and I finish at 7, the soonest I can get there driving at full speed is 7.30. That's understandable. But at the same time, you have to deal with the cards that you're dealt with. So if I get there and I'm made to do something, or he tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. You can't sit there and make excuses and go, oh, this, that, the other. No, there is none. If he says, do this, do this. There's a reason why he's the coach. And part of respect in pro wrestling is listening to the coach and doing as they say. So I got there and he was like, you're going to do a plank and everyone's going to do tiger rolls over you. They're going to do like the, the front diving forward roll and you are going to stay in that plank position and they're going to go around and keep taking turns. I can't remember how many people there were. There had to have been five, six, seven people, but I'm not going to break that plank. That would be weak. So I was like, however long it takes them to do these rolls over me, I'm going to have to stay in that position. I think it was a very good thing. Shaheen was happy. He spotted me at the end for that. It was a nice feeling. I think at the end of it, it was about six minutes that I'd held that plank. Well, what are you going to do in that situation, Shozi? Were you just going to be like, nah, I don't feel like it. Nah, I'm tired. No, it hurts. No, you're going to do it. If yeah, he says yeah, do yeah. it, as long as you're the last person finishes their final role, you need to hold that position. If you don't do it, people are going to crack jokes and make fun of you. So... Really, you don't have a choice in that situation. No, you really don't. If that was me about two or three years ago, I'd just walk right out the door again and went home. That's how unfit I was. But now that I've been training, I understand more and I've been able to work with both Shaheed and Sam a lot and everyone else in training, learn more discipline. I absolutely agree with the ways, despite me being against them, for a very long time. I thought it was just a way to get back at training. But now to be able to see that go a very long way with you, because down the line, you may be faced with the same situation. You think back to, hey, I've done this before. And I have the discipline to do it. And I know that I'm not going to back out because it's a challenge for me. So it's definitely a good thing. And I welcome it every time. But to be I've seen you, man. I've seen you at the training sessions. There was a recent training session where a high profile wrestler who we're not gonna name showed up and took us through some stuff. You have a never say die attitude. You have a don't give up attitude. How many times do you had to keep repeating that and you kept doing it? You yeah. didn't stop. If he showed you how to do something a certain way, you just keep trying. You keep trying over and over again. So you have that in you. Anyone else could go, Oh, you know, I'm happy with the way I do a forward roll, that's enough. But that's not the way to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. I saw it in you. You were, you were like, no, all right, I'm going to keep going. I'll keep going. Okay. You want me to try again? I'll try again. And that's really good mentality to have because that mentality that we develop 
us as a group here, we take with us all around the world. Because one day you might go train somewhere in the US or in Europe or in Asia or wherever, and you, know, you will take the discipline you've learned here and apply it there. And then people will be impressed. They'll be like, wow, that's really cool. And they'll probably have questions for you then. Because they'll be like, what's it like? What's it like training yeah. where you train? It's cool. It's really, really valuable what we learn and do between us as a group. Definitely. And for one, being able to train with a high-profile wrestler, it's a huge experience as a beginner. You're getting to understand from that person what it's like to be in the center of everything in the business. So much to learn. And you're right. There's no way that you say, no, that I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it the way you're telling me. I'm happy with it. If that was the case, then it's best I just sit out of training sessions and do my own thing. Because that doesn't do justice to the fact that I'm coming to train to learn. So to everyone out there who feels that wrestling is not much of a sport and doesn't require much, and to those who know what goes into it, the physical toll it takes on you at times, understand that it's not the easiest thing out there. There are other sports which are easier than this, but nothing that I've come across compares as big enough to wrestling when it comes to getting in complete shape and really pushing you to limits you never thought you could go to. So, yeah, I'm really happy with all the training I've been able to get. And the change in mindset really comes with it. Like I say to everyone, I was 250 pounds overweight. I could barely run the ropes. And Bro. So what I was that? this was right about 2017 to 2018. And no then, way. yeah, so 250 pounds plus. So Whoa. around. But you look great now. So how heavy are you now? If you don't mind me asking. Sure. I'm about, I think, 76 kgs. Whoa. You've lost like almost 80 pounds. Yeah. That's incredible, dude. That's yeah. remarkable. Once you see yourself in videos and once you see yourself through the eyes of others, you understand how big of a situation it is. Because during my time, I didn't take anyone's advice. I had a lot of the trainees on my back. I had my coach on my back telling me that, dude, you need to lose weight. You need to get in shape. But at that time, okay, I'm only here two days a week. They're not going to bug me all the time. So I'm going to keep doing my thing. But now that I look back at old training videos and old matches, I see how much of a bad shape I was in and compared to now, I can do everything that I couldn't do before. I still have a lot to learn, but remember this, that once you put your head into it, once you get yourself moving, nothing is impossible once you put your mind to it. Like Jay said, once you build that discipline, you can go to levels you couldn't imagine before. So always remember that if you want to get into wrestling or if you're on and off in the wrestling world. Absolutely. And I think you're a testimony, man. To go from 250 to 170 something is incredible. Think about the people that struggle doing that. Think about the people now that are 250 and they're asking themselves, what is the first step I take? How do I get there? And they think of it as being an impossible task. Like it's so big and it's so far away. And the reality is it's doable, but 
they need to be reminded that there are people like you out there who have done it. You know what I mean? You're a testimony yeah. to, to, to people that have done it, which is remarkable, really, really impressive when you look at the grand scheme of things. Taking that first step, making the decision, saying, this is what I want to achieve. This is how I want to get to. And one way or another, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, definitely. That's the way to go forward. Put that in your head and just keep going at it. Now that you've told us your entire story of how it all started off, I can imagine like many parents back in the day or friends who weren't really invested in the sport or didn't think highly of the sport would have told you to hold back, not waste your time going towards a sport and wrestling and building a career out of it because there's not much to do at that time. Personally, I've gone through the same thing. I've had friends, family, everyone tell me, and I'm pretty sure that they may have been the same type of people who've told you to back away and focus on things that really matter. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. It's funny when you look back on it, everybody thinks it's just something that will pass. So I'm sure that when you're 15 years old or whatever, and you're telling your parents, I want to be a wrestler, they're like, yeah, sure, sure thing. He'll be over it in a couple of weeks or a year or whatever it is. And then the weeks turn to months, turn to years, turn to you being an adult, turn to you going to training. And then all of a sudden it becomes a reality. I think that it's very easy for parents to not understand your passion. I don't know what it's like now. I think maybe there are more parents now that are supportive of their kids kind of following their passions. For me personally, growing up in the UK, my granddad watched World of Sport religiously because it was on TV consistently throughout the, I believe the 60s, 70s and 80s. So I think they canceled it at, towards the end of the 80s. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was 1988 that it stopped. Something like that, give or take, forgive me if I'm wrong. But up until that point, it was on national television for the whole country to see. But they were doing millions in numbers in terms of ratings. You watched it, it was World of Sport. You had Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks, Mick McManus, Johnny Saint, Johnny Kidd, all of these names. So my granddad watched that religiously. It was on the TV while my mom was with my grandparents growing up and so on and so forth. So for her, when I told her that I wanted to be a wrestler, it wasn't so much a shock because it was like, oh, well, you take after your grandfather or, oh, that's really nice to hear because they had a soft spot for it. They appreciated it because it was on TV throughout most of their lives on national television. So it's kind of the norm. My dad, on the other hand, didn't understand it as much, but he was a wrestling fan during the late 90s, especially WCW and Goldberg's undefeated streak, he was a huge fan of. So it was one of those things where when you're a fan of it, you can't necessarily deny it. Your kid wants to follow it. So you just kind of hope that maybe it's just a phase. Maybe they'll grow out of it. Finish school. That's the most important thing they would always say to me. And then you can kind of make a decision from there. So that's kind of how it went. I would keep most of it to myself when I went training. I wouldn't necessarily receive that parental support. And that's another thing. So on the flip end, even though they didn't have a problem with it, I don't come from a background where we're affluent, so to speak. So paying for my sessions was certainly not going to be an option for my parents. So it was one of those things where when I look back on it individually, I probably looking through their eyes, it was one of those things where it's like, if you can figure out a way to do this by yourself, then great. But 
we can't necessarily support you and pay for sessions and things like that because it's just not an option. I, to this day, don't know what kind of difficulties they went through. I just knew that it just wasn't an option in our family and from the world that we come from is not, hey, mom, hey, dad, pay for my tuition and let me go do this. It wasn't like that. So I had to figure out ways. And it's funny, actually, because I was speaking with the promoter of of LDN Wrestling and he was telling me that he was going through some of his old notes and he saw a note from, I believe, 2006, 2007. And there was a note and it said my name and it was like, Jay Lamrod sucks or something. Because what had happened was I'd gone to training sessions and been like, oh, I'll owe you, I'll pay you back somehow. And then that turned into an ongoing thing. So it's funny looking back on that and he'd mentioned that to me that he'd seen that it's funny when you look back on that that's kind of the extent of the parental thing and once you're an adult as long as you've done your studies as long as you have something to fall back on which is very very important you go to university if you can i'm not saying you must but i'm saying if you can absolutely study something that you can use that can help you in life absolutely but at the same time make no mistake about it chase your passions. I was kind of set in my ways from a very young age. So even if my parents had been like, no, outright, I probably would have pursued it anyway. A, because I was kind of naive. So I didn't realize how hard it was. I didn't realize what it would take. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I just know one way or another, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be a wrestler. I'm going to wrestle in front of people. I'm going to do this all the time. This is going to be a thing. And I'm on my way kind of thing. Like I'm going to make it to the WWE. That was my dream. That was my goal. I'd set that decision. I put it out there. And I was like, I don't know how. It's not for me to know when you're 16, 17 years old. I just know one way or another, this is going to happen. So what do you say to a kid that says that anyway? Even if your parents say, no, you can't do it. A kid with that much certainty and that much conviction in their ideas and their thoughts is bound to happen. So obviously, fast forward to being 18, 19 years old, I debuted and then the rest is history. Definitely. I can understand when it comes to parental support and being able to understand that the issues or roadblocks your parents might face while trying to provide for an entire family. So all those people who go out of their way to be able to spend their time in training sessions, pay for themselves and work, study, do all that together. I really commend all of those people because they're really following their passion. They're not giving up no matter what. What made you want to move to the Middle East and then start trading with WME? Because you were in the UK, and that's when you started your podcast, I believe. During that time, you moved to the Middle East and heard about wrestling ME, decided to join them. How did all that happen? Coming to Dubai, was a choice that I wanted to make. I had an opportunity actually to move out to Abu Dhabi back in 2015 or 2016. And then I didn't follow through with it. And then a couple of years later, 2018, I moved out to Dubai. And I always wanted a change of scenery just because when you live in a place where it's cloudy, a lot of the time rains 300 days a year, you want a nice change of scenery. That's not to say that I don't love home. I absolutely love home, but I'm very, very appreciative of being in Dubai at the moment. Beautiful weather. I never complain about the heat. There are people that moan about 45 degrees during the summer. I'm like, look, if you have a choice between really, really cold or really, really hot, what would you pick? Really, really hot. (laughs) Absolutely. 
every day of the week. So don't complain about it being 45, 50 degrees. It's not the end of the world. There's air conditioning. It's only a couple of months. Trust me, I love it. I have no problem going outside, breaking a sweat. I would much rather it be really hot than really, really cold. I cannot handle the cold. It's not something that I want to put up with. I mean, look, we're in December and it's still... 20 something degrees. It's beautiful weather right now. I'm loving it. It's fantastic. For me, it was a change of scenery. It was a lovely move that has just been a wonderful experience. And I know that that might be trivial to some weather. It makes a huge change to your health and to your overall well being. And just kind of general quality of life changes when you get some sunshine, vitamin D, and things like that. And I've met a lot of cool people from all around the world here, which has been fantastic. And it's really been a good experience. So I'm glad I took that plunge because it can be sometimes scary to pack up your bags and move somewhere and there is sometimes adjusting to do you go where's your local supermarket going to be you have all these things you're set in your ways when you're living somewhere i have my local groceries in london i have my local gas station all those things so then coming here and having to find new and things like that there was adjusting to do but I did it and I'm very glad I did it. So when I got here obviously the first thing I did was google pro wrestling dubai what comes up Dubai Pro Wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Type in Pro Wrestling Dubai when Dubai Pro Wrestling comes up. So I reached out to them and I'd spoken briefly through email to Caleb, who I believe at the time had actually just left. We might have missed each other by a couple of months. I think he might have gone and then a couple months later I'd come over. But he basically was like, look, I'll put you in touch with somebody. And if it's happening, great. And that's kind of the most I can do sort of thing. So I was like, yeah, amazing. Fantastic. He put me in contact with Sam. And that's the first time I spoke to Sam, which was just awesome. It was great to speak to somebody that was doing wrestling on this side of the world. It's the best feeling in the world when you go somewhere and you find like-minded wrestling fans and people because you instantly have one very big thing in common. But the thing is, they weren't doing any shows at the time. I believe there was a brief hiatus, a brief pause period, and they weren't doing any shows. They weren't sure what the plans were. And then I think kind of throughout 2019, I'd spoken to Fayez and he kind of mentioned, hey man, we don't have any shows at the moment, but as soon as there's anything, I'll let you know. So I kept in touch with them and we'd speak every now and then on and off every couple of months. Every so often, I'd just kind of keep up to date and see if there was anything going on. And I was just hoping that there'd be something wrestling related here. I had so many ideas in my head and you know, when you're itching to wrestle, you can't wait to do it. You just want there to be something. Finally, fast forward to to earlier this year when I was sort of doing the podcast. It's kept me busy during a time where there was no promotion out here, there was no ring, there was no training, there was no nothing, there was no scene. So to kind of reach out to people and speak to them, whether it's people on this side of the world or people in the US, people in the UK, wherever, it was kind of like an outlet. I can't wrestle, I can't train, so at least I can talk to people about it. So it was a good kind of transitional thing. And then finally, the ring came. That was not only big for myself individually because I want to wrestle, but for the region, man, for Middle East and for everyone here that was from DPW that was now looking for something new. Now, finally, Sam, thankfully, put something together, which is incredible. I said to him, look, the day that comes, let me know. I'll be there. I'll do anything, anytime, anywhere, wherever the ring is, wherever you need help, I'll be there and I I can help out. It's for the love of wrestling. And it's for the respect of professional wrestling. When you love something, you want to be there. You want to be there to experience every part of it. So that was kind of how that began. 
the podcast fizzled out, to be honest, at that point, because you have to have a passion for something you do. And I'm also a believer in giving something everything or nothing. So if you're going to commit to something, you need to give it 100%. Like your podcast. I've seen the quality of your podcast, the descriptions you write, the titles, everything from the fact that you edit it, you put your heart and soul into it. I wasn't putting my heart and soul into it. It was a wonderful thing. And I love it because I love talking about wrestling. But my thing is I want to be a wrestler. That's my main thing. That's what I want to put 100% into. When the ring finally came, I was there and that was pretty much when I met everyone for the first time. I'd met Sam for the first time in person, met Fayez, met Shaheen, met MK, met Nova, met everyone for the first time. And so I was just there to help out and build the ring. Obviously building, putting up rings and taking them down hundreds and hundreds of times during my years training in the UK, it was nothing new. I knew what to expect. So I was just glad to just be there. Like if you saw the smile on my face, I was just happy to be there, man, that I didn't care about anything else. It was such a positive experience for me because we finally have a ring. We finally have something we can do in terms of progressing ourselves and living our dream and having that experience of getting in there, taking bumps, telling stories, being athletes. And there's all these new people that I can do it with as well. We have a good group. And that's one thing I always tell people during the training sessions, I'm like, man, there are some training schools around the world. It's very competitive. It can be very uh, like school. It could be very clicky. It can be very harsh. The conditions can be harsh. We're lucky. We have a small group of people where everybody's friends. It's not clicky. It's just one big click and it's us. We're all friends. We all stick together. We all help each other. We're all very motivating to one another. We're all helping each other get better. And there's not one person trying to better themselves and trying to go above everybody else. It's not like that with us. We're fortunate in the sense that we've got a nice good group of people that you all care about each other. You all want each other to improve and get better and you're helping each other. I always point that out at training because that is a wonderful thing for us to have here. And I'm very grateful to experience that as well and see that at the training sessions every week. And that's pretty much how the Middle East journey began. Now what led to the first show and what led to the formation of wrestling me and being a part of that. If I remember correctly, the day the ring came in, that's again, when the first time we met and once the truck pulled up to the back door, I think you jumped onto the truck before the workers could get on and unload everything. And from there, you started hustling and unloading everything, helping everyone set up the frames, put up the ring posts. So yeah, definitely. It goes to show from that point that, yeah, this person's really passionate. He's really jumping into it. He's really hands-on with his training and he's hands-on with the sport. So that was really good to see. The goal for everyone once they start in the wrestling world is to be able to keep moving forward and perform for bigger promotions. And I believe that's the exact goal that you have set in mind. Keeping in mind that there was supposed to be a WWE tryout in the summer of 2020 in Dubai, but it was postponed due to the pandemic. With the thought that they're going to be coming back to the Middle East, how are you preparing for that? I will be there without a shadow of a doubt. Consider it done. That is my goal. That's my dream. That's my passion. That's my desire. That's the thing that I want so, so bad. I've foreseen this. I've visualized it clearly 
frequently, vividly, over and over again. So many times in my head that it's nothing new, it's something that is just the inevitable. And I'm excited. I can't wait for it to happen. It's going to be a great experience and I'm enjoying it. The thing is, I look at everything I've done and I look at what's coming and I'm like, it's just fun. It's so much fun. And that's what it's all about. You always have to have fun. Always reflect on what you're doing and realize we're having fun, man. At the end of the day, we're all fans. That's all we are. We're just fans of something that we love watching and we actually have a chance where we can do it. How cool is that? That's amazing. There are eight-year-old kids that say, hey, I want to be an astronaut. Do they get to go to space? Maybe some of them. There are more and more astronauts nowadays, so maybe, but some say they want to be firefighters. Maybe they get to do that as well. Who knows? For me as an eight-year-old, I wanted to be a pro wrestler, a sports entertainer, a WWE superstar. And now I'm living that reality. I'm actually getting to do that. I'm wrestling. So one thing you notice, whether I'm at training or whether I'm at a show backstage getting ready, I always just have a big smile on my face because I'm having fun. It's such a fun experience for me. It's like an activity. It's like an excursion. When you go to a country and you're a tourist and you're like, oh, what should we do? Tourists that come here, they'll do like a desert safari. And you look at the pictures they take, you look at them having that experience and they're just having fun because that's what it is for them. For me, this is that. This this experience is fun and I'm just enjoying it and soaking it up and, and appreciating it. I'm eternally grateful for it. So... Trust me when I tell you, whenever that time comes, I'm ready. I'm ready to give it my absolute best. And you will see a very exciting Jay Lamrod. You'll see a human being that is having so much fun. And that is just what it's all about. And there's so much talent on this side of the world as well, man. And when that ring came and we were unloading it, I look to my right and the first person I see is Shaheen. And I'm in this like van and it's like late July, early August. It's piping hot. Like I said, 45 degrees. I'm sweating through my clothes. Shaheen is wearing jeans or something. And I'm like, bro, (laughs) that's the passion. That's the passion that we have. And when I look and I see that, I'm like, man, that motivates me, man. To see people that are just in there, just willing to just give it their best and they're passionate about it. I love that. I mark out for that. I'm a fan of that. I admire that. That for me is like, man, I'm not the only one here. There are other people that love this equally as much. And it's a great feeling because it makes you realize actually we're all in it together and there's some incredible talent. But even training, every week I go to training and I love watching MK and Shaheen in the ring. Just incredible talent. They love it. They live it and breathe it. They're there training two, three, maybe more times a week. And they're genuinely passionate about it. Everyone has it, by the way. The whole group, we all have that. These names that I'm throwing off, they're just coming off the top of my head. It really motivates me when I see that. And I really admire that. So for the future, what does the future hold? You're just going to have to wait and see, my friend. (laughs) Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I know everyone in the group is looking forward to it. They're trading. Everyone's putting their heart and soul into it for when the next opportunity presents itself for the tryout. But seeing how gruesome WWE tryouts are, the way they push you to, like I said before, limits you didn't know you had, or even further than that. Have you ever pulled up old tryout footage, tried to perform those tasks that they give you during the tryout, whether it be the running, the climb the rope, tire flips, push-ups, rolls, and all of that? Have you ever tried to pull off a WWE tryout workout for yourself? Yeah, so I've tried snippets of it. So I'll take a piece of it, 
whether it's the up down so you get up and fight in position and then kind of back down and doing that over and over again and i'll spend like an hour in the gym doing that or whether it's like burpees i'll spend an hour just working on that and i'll reps upon reps upon reps so i'll take little bits and i'll really try and hammer it so i can hone in on it and figure out what i need to do to improve in it and how i can be a master at it and then with that being said there's a lot of other like general kind of like things i do that absolutely destroy me but is very beneficial like for example a lot of crossfit workouts one which i love pointing out is the murph challenge doing murph i don't know if you know what murph is but it's basically a mile run 100 pull-ups 200 push-ups 300 squats and another mile run for time so your best time you can do that in it's grueling but i don't back down i love doing that and i know that stuff like that can only be beneficial for a trial because the discipline and the grind that burning sensation when you feel like giving up but you're not that is what you're going to be applying when you go through those trials i'm sure of it i'm absolutely sure of it I think back to Justin when he was training me and I was 17 years old and he was just putting us through these horrible warm-ups. Warm-ups, man. It's not just the training. It's the warm-ups alone that would destroy us. And when he was shouting in our ear like motivational things and keeping us going and keeping that fire alive in us, that's where I'm going to go when I'm in the trial. And if I'm in pain, if I need to dig deep, I'm going to be thinking of that. Make no mistake about it. It's not going to be easy but I'm studying it. I look at it and we know it's going to be hard. We know it's not going to be easy. So the best thing I'm doing is I'm just keeping my conditioning up as high as possible. I'm not afraid to take on big tasks and challenges. And to be quite honest with you, whether I am or I'm not capable of doing it is not a situation that I'm thinking about because I'm not giving up regardless. Yeah, definitely. And even before the tryout, it really tests your mentality because when you have talent scouts looking at you, whether it be from any company in the world, they're looking at you specifically, watching your matches, working out your character, seeing how you do with different types of challenges. It really builds up your mental strength as well because you know what you have to do. You know what you have to focus on and you know how you have to keep moving forward and be ready for the chance should it present itself at any time. And seeing guys like Sam and Fias go through the tryout, it really puts that little message in your head that, hey, they've done it. They've had the opportunity. It doesn't mean that you can't do it either. Once you put your head into it, like you said, keep pushing yourself. Don't back up from any tasks that come to you. And that's what I believe is the perfect mindset for things like these. Because the WWE tryout, trust me, you can be... And I've said this countless times, people who've been on here have said it countless times, and I'm pretty sure you'd agree with me as well. It doesn't matter if you're a bodybuilder. It doesn't matter if you're one of the fittest people in the world. A tryout like WWE will break you in some way, and it will take you to a road never traveled once it comes to your physical conditioning, your mental abilities. It's taxing on you. So never feel like you're 100% prepared because as soon as you start feeling that, you're going to start lacking, you're going to get overconfident, you start falling back on a lot of stuff. So keep focusing, keep pushing, and make sure that you always have that drive in you. I think we've covered all the bases. Is there anything you'd like to tell the listeners, give them a message? 
Man, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of something special in regards to how much of me you're going to see out there, how much of Jay Lamrod you're going to see out there, whether it's on the internet, whether it's on TV, one way or another, you're going to see Jay Lamrod. That's for certain. So that's a very exciting time. Every single day, every single training session, every single show, every single time I'm with wrestlers or I'm even by myself, but I'm just thinking about it, I always stop to spend five minutes and just express gratitude. And I just think about how grateful I am for every experience I've had. For the people that I've met, especially with wrestling me, it's just incredible, man. I'm so, so thankful. We did our first show, as you mentioned, a couple of weeks ago. And you look at it and you're like, that's the beginning of something special. If we stick with it with consistency and we have that same amount of drive and energy and passion and desire and focus and love, man, is something really positive is around the corner and it's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get better. It's only going to be more fun. It's only going to put a bigger smile on our face. So I cannot wait for the future. I'm excited, but the here and the now, this present moment, this second, in fact, I'm so grateful for it. I appreciate every second that I'm just existing and every opportunity that we receive is a blessing and is a gift um, one thing I just want to say to people is always be thankful. There's always something to be thankful for, whether it's you had a good night's sleep, whether it's the meal that is in front of your face that you're about to eat when you sit down for dinner, whether it's the friends you have, the parents you have, the family, the house, the bedroom, your pillow, everything. There is always something to be thankful for. And I'm just constantly in that state. I'm always, always grateful, man, because Everything truly is a blessing, man. Everything's a gift. I come from working class London, man. It's a small working class kid that came up backyard wrestling with his friends and happened to stumble into a grueling training school and then did a few things here. Somehow fast forward many years, I'm here in the Middle East. They say the Middle East is where civilization was born. I say the Middle East is where wrestling is born again. I saved that sentence. I wanted to use it in a promo because we were going to do promos on the first show, but I may as well deliver it here now, I figured. But it's cool, man. It's really, really good. We got great things around the corner. You're going to see a lot of Jay Lamrod. You're going to see a lot of wrestling me. You're going to see a lot of incredible talent coming out of here. I cannot wait to face some of the talent. Awesome. I'm looking forward to being able to see everyone in the training group grow I'm pretty sure everyone here in the Middle East is looking forward to just wrestling, coming back and being able to watch a lot of it down the line. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, Jay, for your message, for telling us about your journey and sharing your thoughts on everything wrestling. And where can the listeners find you on social media? Instagram, first and foremost, at jlamrod, lamrod. That's it. That's it. Instagram is number one for me, at Jay Lamrod. I may or may not launch a TikTok soon. I don't know. I'm still <laughs> deciding. We'll see. We'll see. But thank you, Shozy, for having me on. I'll see you at training and the shows as well. So it's looking forward to more shows, our second show, hopefully, before we know it, as we'll be around the corner. And you know what? Maybe I should bring back the podcast for one episode and have you on there, try and relaunch it. Do, what, what do you think? Would you join me? Sure. Absolutely. No question. I'll be on there. I'll figure out a way. I'll have to figure out how to record a proper episode like you, and then we can do it, and that'll be pretty cool. Sure. I'm looking forward to that. Thanks again for having me on, Shozy. Absolutely. No issues. Great to have you on. 
And make sure you check out our other episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Stitcher, and all other platforms where you stream your podcasts. You can also search for the WrestleCast with Shozy on Google and go off of results based on there. And one last time, make sure you follow at RealWrestleDude on Twitter and at the WrestleGram on Instagram and the Wrestling Dude on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and until next time.